In our household over the last few years, we've spent a great deal of time in the world of college applications. And all of those applications have a set of free response questions that they present to the applicant. And if you start to pay attention to what those questions are asking, you begin to see common themes that begin to arise out of those questions um, that begin to tell you what's important to those college admissions departments. And one theme that stands out in particular is that these colleges are looking for leaders. In fact, one almost gets the impression that each and every college admissions department is obsessed with leadership. They ask the applicant questions like, how have you demonstrated leadership? How have you grown as a leader? What kind of leadership will you bring to our campus? It's as if no one stopped to consider that not everyone is called to be a leader. But there's something about us that causes us to value leaders over followers. Even our language reveals the high value that we place on leadership. If the words leader and follower are compliments, then you would expect that there would likewise be a compliment for the word leadership. But as best I can tell, the term followership wasn't coined until the 1990s, and even so, I'd be shocked if you found it in the OED, the Oxford English Dictionary. My spell check certainly doesn't know the word. And the absence of that word, followership, it testifies to the fact that we don't place too high a value on being a follower. No, to the contrary, if you and I were to play a word association game and I were to say to you, what comes to your mind when I say the word follower, I'd be willing to bet that most of our minds would begin listing off words with a negative connotation. Limming, fanboy, minion, lackey, surf, passive, lazy. When's the last time you said with enthusiasm, now he is a great follower? No, we say with a little derision in our voice, oh, he's just a follower. And yet, what is the life to which our Lord Jesus Christ has called us? Is it the life of leadership? While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed Jesus. And going on from there, Jesus saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and Jesus called them. Immediately, they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. Now, this is not to say that leadership is unimportant. In fact, our Lord's own apostle Paul spent a great deal of time writing about and teaching on leadership and followership within the church. But if we look at the original calling that's given to all of us by our Lord Jesus Christ, it's a calling to follow. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, 
and follow me. The Christian life is a journey of learning how to become a follower. Spiritual maturity is not marked by leadership, but by followership. But friends, following Jesus is something that does not always come easily for us. Now, I'd be willing to bet you all already knew before you came in this morning that we are supposed to follow after Jesus, and yet this is how I imagine that our lives play out in the spiritual realm. I'm going to ask you to use your imagination. Just picture our Lord Jesus Christ going out into our world and calling us to follow him in ministry each and every day. I imagine him with a look of determined focus on his face. He knows exactly where the good news of the gospel needs to go. He's going out fishing for people to draw them into relationship. He's seeking out the spiritually lost, the physically hungry, all the while calling us to follow him in this ministry. But from time to time, he looks back over his shoulder just to make sure we haven't, you know, fallen too far behind. And every now and then when he does that, he just stops. He's, where's Andrew? Anybody seen Andrew? And Sally, wasn't she just behind us five minutes ago? Well, where's Sally? Friends, we all know that we're called to follow, but sometimes we don't. Jesus calls out to us, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Come, I've got a mission for you. But then something stands in the way. In fact, there are many roadblocks that stand in the way of following where Jesus leads, and that's what we're going to talk about in the time that we have left this morning. Three obstacles, three roadblocks that will prevent us from following Jesus where he leads. Obstinance, ignorance, and apathy. As for obstinance, there is no sugarcoating it. Sometimes Jesus calls into us to go into a particular direction, and our response is, mm-mm, I'm not going there. This obstinance is most likely to show up whenever he calls us to do something that's costly or out of our comfort zone, as we might say. Like when he calls us to swim against the tide of everyone else around us. For example, follow this line of reasoning and just see what it does in here and in here for you. One, Jesus calls us to follow him. Check. Easy. Two, Jesus teaches us in his word that we are to obey the laws of the land so long as those laws do not prevent us from following him. Okay, check. Three, the laws of the land dictate that it is illegal for persons under the age of 21 to consume alcohol. Ooh. So why then would young men and women who've committed themselves to following Jesus and who are under the age of 21 party with alcohol? And why would those parents who have committed themselves to following Jesus endorse their underage children partying with alcohol? Now, if you find this line of reasoning is causing you to want to push back a bit, then ask yourself this question. 
Is my resistance to this line of thinking arising out of my commitment to follow Jesus, or is my resistance to this line of thinking coming from some other commitment in my life? If you feel like you're being unfairly singled out this morning, trust me, every Christian, every Christian will have moments when Jesus says, go here, do that, stop doing that, and our initial response will be, mm-mm, no, obstinance. The question is, what do we do with that obstinance once it begins to arise in our hearts? When the Holy Spirit begins to confront us with it? Well, Jesus tells us. He tells us in the very first message that he ever preached. It's recorded right here for us in verse 17. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Turn around. Forsake the obstinance of your heart and follow me. Friends, is there anything in your life, anything that Jesus is calling you to do or stop doing? Is there anyone he's calling you to forgive or to reach out to and the response of your heart up to this point has been, "Mm mm-mm, not gonna do it. He's calling you to repent of your obstinance. He's calling you to follow wherever he leads. Because friends, where he leads is the way to life. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Obstinance, ignorance, and apathy. Now that word, ignorance, it can have negative connotations, but by ignorance, we're simply acknowledging that there are some things that we all need to learn if we are going to answer the call of Jesus. And there may well be some key pieces of information that you have not yet learned or maybe that you learned at one time but have forgotten. First, we need to understand that Jesus doesn't just call a small select few like ministers and missionaries. Friends, Jesus is calling you. And by calling, I'm not talking about your job, like the calling to be a doctor or the calling to be an engineer. No, I'm talking about the little assignments that Jesus gives to his followers each and every day. That is, when you go back to whatever Monday morning holds for you, if you're a student, when you go back to school, if you're in the workforce, when you go back to your place of work, when you go out into the community, when you go back to your homes, whatever Monday morning holds for you, Jesus is speaking to you. He is arranging assignments for you, opportunities for you to minister throughout your day. Every day he calls out to us, follow me. Over here, speak to this person. Take this action for me. Mend this thing that is broken for me. When you start to pay attention, you'll begin to see that Jesus puts people into your life. For the Christian, there are no mundane encounters. No, every encounter, every decision, every conversation can be used by God. So the first thing you need to know is that Jesus is calling you today. But then you realize, well, if Jesus is calling, then then I've got to learn how to listen for his voice. Because when you start listening, you realize there are all sorts of voices speaking. 
They're the voices of social media. They're the voices of your colleagues and neighbors. They're the voices of your family and your friends. And you begin to realize that I need to learn how to distinguish his voice from all those other voices. And the only way I'm going to be able to do that, to distinguish his voice, is to start meeting him in his word, in the Bible, where he has most clearly revealed himself. Which means I've got to learn how to do that. I've got to learn how to read the Bible in such a way that I can hear him speaking to me through his word so that I can begin to recognize his voice. So friends, you see, if we are unaware, if we are ignorant, if we are uh, uh, of his, his calling on each of us, if we are unaware of how to listen for his voice, if we are unaware of how to hear him speaking through his word, the Bible, then our ignorance in these things will be a stumbling block preventing us from answering his call. Come and follow me, for I will make you fishers of men. Friends, is there any area where you need to grow in your understanding so that you can hear his voice calling and respond? Obstinance, ignorance, and apathy. Of the three, apathy is perhaps the most difficult to overcome. Just yesterday, we finally finished putting away all of our Christmas decorations. I'm sure many of you had that done weeks ago. Well, we just got it done. And um, if you're like us, then what you find is those boxes of Christmas treasures, as some of my family like to call them, these treasures, these boxes get bigger and heavier each and every year. And having thrown my back out a couple of times, I've learned that I better not pick up some of those boxes. I'm better off just trying to push them across the floor, push them over into the closet where we store them throughout the year. Now, if you remember... From your high school physics class, oh no, not, yes, physics. If you remember your high school physics class, you will recall that the friction between the box and the floor is the greatest when the box is not yet in motion. But if you can just get it moving, then all of a sudden the friction goes down significantly. And even better, once you get that box moving, then you have inertia on your side. But the trick is get, to get it moving. It takes a whole lot more energy to get the box moving than it does to keep it in motion once it's underway. And it's similar in the spiritual realm. If we are stationary in our Christian walk, if we are held in place by the friction of apathy, then it can be very difficult to start moving. When you are at a standstill, spiritually speaking, taking that first step to answer Jesus' call, it can feel insurmountable. But if you will just begin moving forward. I've come to learn that if people can just get over that hump of apathy, if they can go from standstill to moving forward, even if ever so slowly, then things will begin to happen. In fact, in fact for this very reason, if a young mother and father come to us and they want to have their little newborn child baptized, if they've not yet been active in the life of the church, what we will say to them is we will say, okay, 
we're going to put aside the conversation about baptism for the time being, and we want you to start coming. Now, invariably, they will respond, but, 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 but can't, can't we just get, can't we get a date for the baptism and then we'll start coming? And we say, now, I promise we'll come back to the conversation about baptism. We won't leave you hanging, but first we want you to start coming. Because if you can just get them over the hump, if you can just get them coming one Sunday, a second Sunday, a third Sunday, if you can get them moving from stationary to moving forward more often than not, then they will keep moving forward, following after Jesus. Because if they come, what they will discover is this. Number one, it wasn't half as hard as they feared that it would be. Now, it's hard getting the children dressed, getting them into church. It's hard, but it's not half as hard as they thought it was going to be. But more importantly, number two, is what they discover is that it's worth it. Because God will begin to meet them in the worship. God will begin to meet them in Sunday school. God will begin to meet them in the relationships that they form with other parents who are in the very same boat. God will begin to meet them in relationships with older members of the congregation who can be grandfatherly and grandmotherly toward their little children. If you can just get them moving forward. My experience is that once people get over the hump of apathy, God begins to do a work in them and growth begins to happen as they respond to Jesus' call. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Friends, ask yourself this question. Am I moving forward in my spiritual walk? Or am I just, I don't know, punching a ticket Am I just going through the motions? Am I growing in my trust in the Lord? Am I growing in my ability to hear Jesus' voice calling into my life? Am I growing in my ability to answer his call? Or am I at a standstill? Friends, Jesus is calling you to follow after him. Calling you to do the works that he's given you to do. Calling you to pattern your life after his. Don't let obstinance, ignorance, or apathy stand in the way. For to follow him is to find life, and life abundant. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, who are we that you should call us into ministry each and every day? And yet you do. You call. Grant us the grace, we pray to see those obstacles that stand in the way. Show us with the eyes of our heart if there be any obstinance or ignorance or apathy in us. And Lord Jesus, grant us the strength by your Holy Spirit to step over it, to press through it, to go beyond it, that we might answer when you call. For we ask these things in your precious and powerful name. Amen.